Welcome to the Commission Client Podcast. These are the real and raw stories of people that use their health success and struggles to better lead and serve others. If your goal of getting healthy is to have a static achievement, you will always come up short. Instead, find purpose in your health gains and be commissioned to better serve your purpose. I'm your guide and host, Dr. Kurt Perkins, introducing you to the real heroes in healthcare, the people just like you. Thanks for listening. Cool. So we have Sarah here today. Not to really talk about herself. She doesn't want to do that. Nope. But to talk about her third, Eli, who's had quite the journey and they've kind of navigated the natural health world. Um, So I don't know if you want to kind of talk about Eli's journey. Sure. Yeah. So Eli is our third of our three kids and he is now three and a half years old. And he's had a pretty rough journey for the first three years, um, medically speaking. He's a very happy kiddo, but he had a rough start. Um, my pregnancy with him was pretty stressful um, right off the bat, so I think that affected him a little bit coming out. But he was born at home, planned, and that was a beautiful, perfect delivery. Um, he was born in an hour and a half and was healthy. and. Um, Within the first three weeks of life, he was just not nursing very well. Um, He had a tongue tie, and so that affected how much milk he was getting from me, and then he ended up contracting RSV at three weeks old from his siblings, and that landed him in the hospital for a couple of weeks. And with that came tons of interventions and um, things that we would never want to go through again, (laughs) oxygen use, spinal taps, IVs in his skull, um, just a variety of things that a baby shouldn't have to deal with. Um, And because of the high pressure oxygen that they were giving him, he had a lot of scar tissue in his lungs and he had to be on oxygen for eight months after that time. Um, And since then we've seen every specialist you could imagine to try to figure out (laughs) why Eli is the way he is. And it's just been quite the journey. for the last three years so that's kind of where we're at with him and he's he's actually doing really well now so that's a good thing cool how old is he now he is three and a half nice so home birth planned obviously like trying to avoid everything hospital yes and then you got everything hospital it wasn't due to the home birth right no so it was due to outside factors for you weird people like us that do home <laughs> births it's not that wasn't the tipping point or anything no that was the perfect part yeah um so how do you have to be kind of your biggest advocate within within their system? Because you're going on their turf, right? kind of like what they say goes. and Right. That was the hardest part for me is being able to advocate because they don't want you to do that. Generally in the hospital, they kind of had their own protocol. And um, anytime I would, I would question something or ask if we could do a less invasive procedure, um, I would kind of be pegged as the difficult parent. Um, so the ways that I could advocate for him in the hospital and since then were through nutrition and what he actually was intaking into his body other than the things they were giving him through an IV. Um, for example, I was very adamant about him receiving breast milk through his feeding tube when he was in the hospital. Um, so I just pumped through the night and they would give him my breast milk, which was awesome. Um, so I appreciated that. And then um, they wanted to give him a dairy supplement because they said that breast milk didn't have enough protein and his brother reacts to dairy. And so, and he's clearly too young for dairy at three weeks old. So um, 
I very strongly stated that that wasn't going to happen and, and they were okay with it. So, <laughs> you know, there's some wiggle room in there, but yeah, I had to advocate for him and, and ask the hard questions and be that difficult parent, but that's what you do. What was the hardest thing? Like what was the biggest battle out of all of them? Um, I think the biggest battle was for me was just not having control. So for example, when I knew that they needed to do these things to help him in a lot of ways, um, like place IVs, but I knew that was going to lead to more interventions. And so the hardest thing for me was seeing those interventions unfold and knowing that they were only going to get more complex each inter- more <laughs> each intervention that they did. And um, it was going to be hard to backpedal after that. So just not having control over my kiddo at that point was probably the hardest thing for me. Um... So obviously it helped because he's doing well today. But what would have been your biggest, fr- what was like kind of mm-hmm. the bigger frustrations? Obviously nutrition component. Sure. When when did he get to solids? Was he still in the hospital? Um, when he got to what? Solids. Oh, solids? No, he was, he was not in the hospital when we had solids. But um, So you didn't have to like bring a grocery bag of no, stuff in? No, no, no. That was only the first few weeks. And he actually contracted pneumonia in the hospital. Oh. And so that set him back even further, which was really frustrating. But since then, it's just been specialists, and that's what's been really frustrating is I had to go on a very restrictive diet so we could try to figure out food allergies, um, and that was really hard, but that kind of set us off for our nutritional um, journey because then I felt like I had control over it. Once everything was cut out, then adding things in was easier, and keeping things restricted was easier. Um, So when we started on solids, we... We're not doing dairy or gluten, sugar, um, all of those things. We had to be very careful about what we gave him. Otherwise, we would see um, these episodes of inflammation where he would kind of regress um, in a lot of ways to, with breathing difficulties and that sort of thing. Um, it was also really difficult for me to be giving him medications because we would see whatever the doctor would recommend would work for about two or three weeks, and then it would just get worse. Um, it, it, like the symptoms would be 10 times worse than they were before we even started the medication. So that was frustrating. We were just trying all the things at this point, just like grasping for hope. Yeah. Oh. Did any of the specialists connect nutrition to, hey, it would help these things? No. Or other did they than, come out and blatantly say like, no, this couldn't like, right. you're and an that idiot was, for... That was pretty much their stance. It was just like, mm-hmm. no, here's the medication. Like I said, they have their protocol. So they see a kid with X, Y, and Z, and this is what you do for that kid. There was not a lot of room for individuality. So there was no connection of nutrition other than the GI doctor who put us on the super restricted diet in the first place. Um, But other than that, um, no, other than Dr. Kurt. (laughs) We didn't really hear about nutrition. I just kind of had to do that on my own. Gotcha. What resources were you like? Because I know you'd send me like research articles and... Mm -hmm. Yeah, like I said, we were just kind of grasping for anything we could find because it was just such a hard season that we thought, hey, if this one medication works, great. Let's research it and find out. And then I'd research it and dig into like the actual journal articles of the medication and it would say, actually, this increases your child's chance of having asthma attacks. And so it was just kind of like, what is going on with the system that the studies are showing that it's actually worse for your kid? But so... Yeah, I had to do a lot of research myself, but I'd still try things because I didn't know what else to do at that point. Did you bring those research to like the people telling you like, here's what you should put the kid on? Like, yes. 
Yeah, and that was the point when I finally, to our um, pulmonologist, brought research articles about the medications and and said, will you explain this section to me where it's you know saying that it's actually going to be negative health effects for your kiddo? He um, he was like, yeah, you're right. I see that. And then from that point forward, I never got a call to reschedule. It was just kind of like. We're, we're done here, so which was great for me because then I didn't feel the pressure of having to go back or having to do follow-ups. So, um, but it also pointed out to me like, whoa, we're putting our kids' lives in, in the hands of these doctors who mean so well but might not actually know what the effects are of the things they're prescribing. Yeah. Do you have like a I give up moment? Like not give up like you're going to keep fighting for your kid, but like forget all this nutrition stuff like um come because you guys are also yeah. i mean you have your own clinic you guys yeah. you and your husband are healthcare providers speech therapies like you have your own clinic two other kids mm-hmm. it was never a give up moment on the things that we knew were working um, so nutrition wise we never gave up on that but there were times that we would like let it slide and then we'd be <laughs> reaping the but the effects of that you know the next day um my give up moments were like when i literally just couldn't pray for my family anymore, pray for Eli. And so our community had to carry us through that. Like there are times I would just reach out to friends and be like, I can't, I can't pray right now. And, but we'd still feel, we definitely feel, um, their prayers and be able to carry on. That was probably how I got through those give up moments. Gotcha. (laughs) So others, yes, others carried us through for sure. Um, so with the nutrition stuff you did for Eli, like, Mm -hmm. did you apply that to all the family? Yes. So, well, and how did they take that? (laughs) Um, Well, my husband was was super supportive. He still is. But um, so during the times that we were very strictly with our family, um, not doing gluten, not doing dairy, he was on board. And then he he and the kid, my other kids, have kind of slowly let some of those things back in on occasion. But the one thing that I have been trying to do for Eli and I and I have been very strict on is modeling that for him. So Eli and I are still on the same page nutritionally, even if the others aren't. (laughs) So he's not the total like black sheep of the family. No, no, mom's also the black sheep with him. Cool. So how do you parlay that into like, I don't know putting them in church nursery or these other mm-hmm. places that like give snacks or yeah um it's, letting them out of your <laughs> guide that's a great question uh it's hard but you know this day and age with allergies like people understand and they're usually ready to meet whatever the kids needs are um like our nursery our church nursery has applesauce instead of goldfish crackers and so he just needs that um it's hard to have your kid not be the one that can eat the cupcake at the birthday party but it's harder the next day if he's sick and takes a week to recover from that. So it's not, it's really not hard anymore. It's just a matter of preparing people, just letting them know that he can't handle this and it's, and they're fine with it. I mean, generally, I've never had any pushback. I know he's super young, but does he ever, t- like, does he connect the dots of if I've eaten that, like, I know I don't feel good? Absolutely. Yeah, he asks almost every snack that he's unfamiliar with if it has gluten. He'll ask the person who's giving it to him. Um, so he knows how he feels about it for sure. And he doesn't ask for things that he knows have, have gluten or whatever or dairy or cow's milk. Um, he just doesn't care for him. Maybe it's because he's never had them. It's good. <laughs> or he knows, like, I hate or the hospital. Or he feels really awful, yeah. Um, so what resources have you been using like 
whether it's Pinterest or blogs or things like, do you have any favorites that you um, can direct people to? No, I think if I have a question, honestly, I just, I go to you. I go to oh. Dr. Kurt. Like, <laughs> I, he probably gets annoyed with my questions. But, um, and there are very few things that I have questions about anymore because I know what works and I know what works for our family and for him. Um, he and I were kind of on this really sort of like high fat, low carb sort of diet just naturally he was still eating fruit and everything but um just kind of what we've had to go to that's what that was so I was researching a lot about keto and paleo for a while on those sorts of diets or lifestyles um and that's kind of where we lean to when we make our meals as a family but um other than that it's it's just Dr. Kurt (laughs) that's pretty much it how about the grandparents equation? I get this from a lot of parents mm-hmm. that they're doing great and then they go send them off to grandma and grandpa yeah. and it's like the way grandparents love on their grandkids is like, let's just Eating. give you what you want. Um, and then you have the repercussions after. Um, yes, so my mother, my in-laws are really supportive with this. They, they know they've seen it because they live here so they see how it affects our family and how it affects Eli so they're very much on board, um, which is super helpful. Um, my mom often forgets because we don't see her as much, but she also is super supportive of it. She's not like, oh, you're just making that up or anything like that. She she gets it, and she tries as hard as she can to remember the differences. So. Cool. So you've yeah. got that support. And yes, not, definitely. Do you have people making fun of you within the family? Like, are you guys the weird ones? No, we've actually had people, like, jump on board. Oh, you're, you've converted people. Yes. We have converts in the family. <laughs> and... Um, with amazing results and so that's super exciting yeah more adults or kids adults adults yeah which then bleeds into the kids so that's nice so now when you get family get-togethers is it like a keto fest or is it yeah for the ones of us who are eating lots of meat and fat nice. <laughs> it's, it's definitely the keto fest we seek out what we can eat and it's yeah it's fun cool what are probably the most unpredictable moments that you've looked back and you're like didn't see that coming mm, good question or things that affected him that you're like oh, I yeah. wouldn't have guessed that would have yeah so the the scarier more unpredictable moments for me were always surrounding medications unfortunately um, like for example he had his tonsils um, <coughs> or his adenoids and ear tubes put in so we had a surgery for that and um, they gave him a sedative fentanyl and he stopped breathing and um, so that was super scary <laughs> and then when they after the surgery they were feeding him sugar water from a bottle and he'd never had like sugar before because he was just a year old um, and that's what they gave him to calm him down so it's just certain things like that medications that would do the opposite effect of what we thought would happen and then we'd have to you know go to the ER because of that um, those were the hard unpredictable moments I think that I can think of for the most part gotcha so what would you say to parents kind of on the natural side that have to Mm -hmm. enter the traditional side like yeah I think really you're going to be going against the grain um you're going to find all the resources for traditional medicine um and probably not enough for functional medicine and going the other direction but it's so worth it um it it takes time we 
we had been trying things for three years with Eli and then really strictly for about seven months before we started seeing really great results in the last and and that was seven months ago so for seven months Eli's been healthy and hasn't been to the ER and um, it's been only because we've cut off all of our traditional medical model um, practices I think that's that's the way I feel so hang in there might be a long road but it's worth it cool um what like what's the biggest thing you've learned or like the confidence you've taken away from Mm. sticking to your guns yeah i mean i'm super confident in nutrition now whereas before i thought well you know anything's safe to eat and that's fine and it is in certain regards but it's um it's not the best it's not optimal for our body so i'm pretty confident in nutrition and then also I've learned how much like stress actually impacts our our lives and our health and I think that that's kind of been the biggest thing that I've been dealing with personally throughout all of this is how do I combat the stress of having a sick kiddo um, and how much that's affected my health and so learning about that and processing through that and dealing with it has been a big learning curve as well so so how do you do it because I've we have that situation like mm-hmm. it's not mom and dad's issue it's the kid's issue mm-hmm. but because you want to do whatever you can for your kid mm-hmm. they're stressed out now they're starting to get sick like what were what things did you grab onto or implement mm-hmm. to make sure you don't become <laughs> right yeah well I had to make sure that I was staying on top of my nutrition nutrition and supplements but then also getting a lot of sleep <laughs> that was a huge one and then counseling like we just had to we had to receive counseling because there were we were we could be the support for Eli and his stress and try to make those moments calm for him, but if we weren't dealing with it ourselves, then it was just going to carry over into our lifestyle. So I think that was a big help as well. Gotcha. Now you guys own a speech therapy clinic as well. Yes. Are you incorporating or is there thoughts of nutrition into some of the speech therapy because you kind of have high special needs population right Right. yeah you bet um so i get the opportunity to counsel clients a lot on nutrition um mostly because they ask or you know ask them if they would like more information and they do almost always because we're willing to do pretty much anything for our kids um since i'd been through a lot of it personally i feel like it carried a little bit more weight and i had a little more buy-in with parents um, when i counseled them on it just having been through it personally which is super cool. I also do feeding therapy, so being able to bring in healthy snacks and healthy um, foods and show parents that your kids will eat these. We just have to, you know, go through this process and make it fun and make it enjoyable. Um, what has been really eye-opening for clients as well. So that's kind of fun, getting to be able to feed kids whatever I want instead of what they might think they want. So, so talk to that, because like. I work with special needs kids too, mm-hmm. and their parents are like, no, they're just carbaholics yeah. and all that. So how are you getting them, um, I don't know, into a better, the texture, whatever, like that? Like what are you introducing or what mm-hmm. are you? Yeah, great question. So you kind of just have to figure out what the kids really enjoy. If that's like 
letters and numbers, then we make food into letter and number shapes, and we play with it that way. And um, we sing songs around food, we make believe with our food, uh, depending on where the kid's developmental level is. The kids get to be the food scientists, so we pick it apart and dissect it, and then they get to recreate something out of the ingredients we have. And so we just make it as stress-free as possible. We don't say that the children have to eat the food in the therapy session, because that's like the last step out of all the steps we take. Yeah. Um, we just try to reduce their stress level around food, and that seems to help in and of itself. Cool. So instead of playing with goldfish crackers, are you, what are you, like an apple or grapes or like, are beef you? Sticks. Beef sticks. Beef sticks, <laughs> yeah. yes. So, you, so it's things. not even like in the same macro category of carb, <laughs> like you're. It's like protein drinks and beef sticks. No, um, we had a huge variety of things. I mean, we can cut vegetables into almost any shape that we want. We have cookie cutters. We've got little shape cutters. We play with dull knives. It, it's okay. So. Um, yeah, we can bring any foods into therapy and use them. So, yeah. Have you tracked, or is it just anecdotal, like the kids that have adopted this nutrition, like we only need 20% less sessions with them versus some, like have you looked no. at that within your own? I haven't, but that I'm going they, to now. They, I don't know if you have like steps, like they progress sure. to, like, hey, they get to this step 30% faster than these kids who sure. are still eating whatever. Yeah, that's, that's a really great way to look at it. And I think I'm probably going to be paying more attention to that now that you say that. <laughs> um, I definitely can tell, like, I know the parents that have buy-in and the parents that don't. Yeah. And so when they're carrying over the recommendations with the foods that are recommended at home, um, there's obviously a huge increase. But the parents that don't quite have the buy-in or uh, aren't implementing at home, the kiddo's going to be in therapy for much longer obviously because they're not getting that support at home and that probably translates to the foods that they're giving them as well and see how that yeah because I noticed that once they get to a certain step on the food continuum and like getting to putting it in our mouths swallowing and chewing once they get to a certain step it starts to snowball really quickly and that could be that they're ingesting more nutrients and um, we don't track weight gain yet but I that's something that I could implement as part of the protocol that I'm trained in like, are they typically super underweight? Yeah, generally. Okay. Mm -hmm. Except for, yeah, some of our kiddos with diabetes. Gotcha. Yeah. So, I'm interested in that now. I'll figure it out. I'll figure out a way to do this. Yeah, let me know how I can help with that. But yeah. that'd be cool to see. Yeah. Because um, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know other speech pathologists that mm -hmm. incorporate nutrition with their mm -hmm. stuff. So, right. um, I think that's an easy connect for, for people I take care of to... Right. Send them your way. Hey. Um, cool. So I think last, or maybe one sidetrack, mm -hmm. you've trained for half marathons and marathons, so getting away from yes. the you in a keto nutrition aspect. Yes. Versus, and you've trained normally, Pat. Like, mm -hmm. did you notice differences in your training or oh, huge race? Yes. Good or bad? Well, a little bit of both. Okay, so uh, right off the bat, transitioning to low-carbohydrate training, um, it took about three months for me to be fully adapted in that. I felt like I had the energy level back that I had prior to when I was a carb eater. Um, but then after that point, once I felt like I was fully kind of transitioned, if you will, to um, burning fat for fuel, then I could go for a day on end without much nutrition at all 
um, just hydrating and be just fine without bonking. Whereas when I was a carb eater, you know, I think I could do maybe six or seven miles max and then I need to refuel. Um, whereas now I can get on the mountain for seven hours and have a handful of nuts or something. And so yeah. that's pretty exciting to see that. And I notice with people that I train with as well, um, that I can kind of keep going past the point. We'll definitely pass the point where they are constantly stopping and refueling, which is a benefit when you're racing because you don't have to stop as often. Right. So, yeah. So for those that say you can't do endurance athlete or endurance events on a keto or low carb, you would say like you just didn't try it long enough maybe? Right. Well, and I would say I think endurance events are the best kind of events to do on a low carb diet because um, you're not sprinting right off the bat and, or, you know, if you're doing a long endurance event, it's not like a quick sprint, um, even though I haven't seen much different in those sorts of times either for me. Um, but you can just go all day long, which is pretty exciting. So keep keep at it. Yeah. Cool. So more of the story, just <laughs> focus on the process, not the results yes. sometimes. Absolutely. That's a good moral Whether for the story. Whether it's your kid, yes. <laughs> your training. The long haul. Yeah, I, kinda, I like to think of this analogy of being at the bottom of a mountain, even though I'm a trail runner, I, we're just going to go with this. Um, and there's only two ways to go. You can go up or you can stay right where you're at. And if you stay where you're at, nothing's going to change. But if you go up, you're going to start. It's going to be hard work, obviously, but you're going to start to build muscle memory, build up that muscle. The views are going to get better. And so you, you just got to keep climbing. It's hard work, but it's so worth it. So so how do you or how did you or what would you say to somebody that's more comfortable with their suffering at the bottom mm -hmm. of that mountain versus the uncertainty of the change of going up the mountain? Mm. That's a good question. So I think, I mean, this is a question that Dr. Kurtz asked before, but you have to find your why. Like you just kind of have to figure out why you are comfortable either staying the same or why you might want to change. And it has to be greater than, than the struggle that you're living in. And, you know, if, if it's for yourself or for your family, um, you just kind of have to find a purpose bigger than what you're dealing with at the time. I don't know that's it for me like it's my kids it's my husband <laughs> it's not even me all the time so yeah. cool um so for you then like just kind of self self-care hacks what do you do oh boy um well <laughs> i've been enjoying the hbot sessions <laughs> lately which has been really nice um it's it's kind of nice to just relax for an hour <laughs> and you get the benefits of all the oxygen. Um, I spend time at the gym a lot. So I'm doing fitness classes, sitting in the hot tub, running on trails outside. <laughs> so that's kind of my self-care. If I'm stressed out, I just go for a run. Cool. So how do people, since you have a clinic in town, how do people reach you or connect with you guys? Um, yeah, so we are on the northeast side of town, and our practice is called Pediatric Speech and Language Center, and we work with kids from birth until 21 years of age, and yeah, so we are on Facebook and Google. And cool. I'll things. link to that. How, how does a parent know, like, their kid would need a service like that, or is it usually mm -hmm. they're recommended from school, or... Um, yes, all of the above. So okay. a parent can refer themselves. They can, a lot of times they'll go in for like a well check and their doctor will notice that they're not using as many words as they should for their age. And so they'll gotcha. refer or schools 
they'll refer. Okay. Yeah. And then what about the food? Mm-hmm. I don't know what you call it, food therapy? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so generally if you're frustrated every single meal with your kid, <laughs> <laughs> you, you might want to look into getting a little support for that. So, gotcha. <laughs> yeah, usually we say less than 10 foods in each food group is a good candidate for therapy. Okay. And those foods in the food group can be any variation of food. So it can be broccoli <laughs> dipped with dipped in ranch or broccoli with cheese or broccoli with... So any variation is considered a food, so... Okay. <laughs> nice. Um, anything you want to add or encouragement you want to give? Um, I don't think so. I think if you're just in a, a tough spot in life or you want to make a change, just reach out to your community because that's been our one of our biggest supports and just keep going. Cool. Well, thanks for your time. Thank you. We'll thanks for having me. some of these things in show notes and all the links. Sounds good. Cool. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Commission Client Podcast. If you found that hopeful, inspiring, or entertaining, we would love some iTunes love. And as all podcasters request, please subscribe to our show and your favorite podcast listening app. I'm Dr. Kurt Perkins, toasting you to a life of more health and less health care. <laughs>